What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that race Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio. It is the car cast after USC's 48-45 win over the UCLA Bruins at the Rose Bowl. Not the Coliseum. <laughs> the Coliseum North, the Rose Bowl. USC second home. The Trojans not only beat UCLA in the wildest rivalry game you've ever seen in your life, but USC emphatically clinches their way into the Pac-12 championship game in year one of the Lincoln-Riley era. Ten wins stamped in the Lincoln-Riley era in year one. It was an incredible night. We're going to talk about it. Welcome to the show, as always, here on YouTube. You can subscribe uh, on YouTube, like us on YouTube, do all those things, hit all the buttons you're supposed to hit over on Apple podcasts. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review as well. If you're in the chat, hop in with your thoughts after USC's big win. I'm your host, Mike Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Rainer Choice studio in Los Angeles, Lisa Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Can you breathe? For a second there, I could not. For a second, I could not. Um, for actually hours there, I could not. I was, you can attest to this. Everyone that I was texting can attest to this. I was in a full-fledged freak out the entire game. <laughs> I was not handling it well at all. It's been a long time since we've had to watch USC game with this kind of pressure on it. And I will say I did not handle the pressure well at all. And uh, I'm just glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think everyone is glad to be here. We are glad that you guys are here. Uh, a whole bunch of you guys in the chat. Um, you've been waiting for us and we are here. Um, what a game. What a game. SC wins 48-45. If some, for some reason, if you didn't watch the game, let me just tell you this. SC spots UCLA 14 points, roars back, takes a two-score lead in the second half, then trades touchdowns, Caleb Williams makes a critical mistake 
on a second down late in the game. Ends up costing SC because the next play is a sack. UCLA gets the ball in the with two minutes to go. Their chance down three with, with DTR, who's having a, a not perfect game for him, but he's hurt, wounded, and still doing crazy things. He comes down the field, and who is it? Who is it? Number zero, Corey Foreman. Number zero Corey on the field, Foreman. number one in your heart, Corey Foreman. Number one recruit out of uh, Corona Centennial last year. The, the guy that SC fans have been wondering, is he going to transfer? Is he a bust? Those are the questions we keep getting answered. Ladies and gentlemen, he looks just fine. Dropping into coverage, uh, <laughs> swiping the ball from DTR. Um, a perfect spiral thrown from DTR right into the hands of Corey Foreman to ice the game. Corey Foreman, of all, that's, of all players. That's my favorite thing about the way that this game ended. Before the game, you could have told me, like, yeah, Corey Foreman's going to make the play that seals the win. And I would have thought, okay, well, that's really great for Corey, but, like, it's going to be a sack or something that seals the win. Yeah. Corey Foreman dropped back into coverage <laughs> and got the interception that sealed the win. Like, that is that is something that was beyond unexpected from my perspective. <laughs> and, uh, wow, what a moment for that kid. Um, he has been through a lot this year dealing with injuries, dealing with concussion in the off season uh, hasn't obviously had the impact that, that people wanted to see from him early in the season. But this is also why you trust that a player will continue to build up trust to get on the field, to put themselves in, in, in the moment where they can, they can make that play and yeah. kudos to Corey Foreman for number one, working his way from either the doghouse or from injury or whatever it was that was preventing him from getting on the field early in the season, working his way into critical moments of being trusted to be on the field when USC had the game on the line. And then this is why he was the number one player in the a number of recruit in the nation, because he's capable of making that kind of play in that kind of moment. And right. he now goes down in rivalry history as one of the heroes uh, for USC and in one of the best USC UCLA, UCLA games, uh, certainly the most exciting US, USC UCLA games of the century. Yeah, probably longer than that. Both centuries um, that the rivalry has been played. It's, Absolutely. Yeah, it's it was it was just an outstanding uh, spectacle. I won't call it an outstanding game because <laughs> no, I think, the, the, it, I think, I think both was. teams want a lot of plays back. But uh, the spectacle was incredible. And to have him, the, the thing that I love the most about this win, uh, if just going to jump straight into it, is that you get that contribution from, from Corey Foreman. Yes. You get Shane Lee, of all people, in coverage, making plays with, with an interception. You get Darwin Barlow going out there and running his ass off when mm -hmm. he finally got in the game late. You get Austin Jones, who basically put in a performance that was like Travis Dye who, and everyone loves Travis Dye. He's my guy, everything like that. But like, I was not expecting Austin Jones to go out and make it look so seamless. Like you wouldn't have even thought that USC had a better running back on the he roster. Outrushed Zach he was incredible in this out game. Outaveraged him too. He was outcarried him. When we talked about this game, one of the things that I said was the silver lining to losing Travis Dye could be that USC gets someone like Austin Jones involved more in the passing game. We saw that from the get-go, but it was more than that. Every time they handed the ball off to him, he hit the hole. 
He knew where he was going. He got every yard possible. He didn't make a single mistake that I saw. He didn't hesitate or, uh, or settle for, you know, a, a stuff or a tackle for loss. He was always getting something. What a huge performance from him made it look easy. Huge performance from the offensive line made it look easy blocking for him in front. Huge performance from Darwin Barlow getting his moment. Relique Brown had his moment. Relique Brown was rushing between the tackles and looking like he could do that. Like that's, you know, he made some freshman mistakes to be sure, but like the guys who stepped up in this game to have an impact, that's the story of this game. In a season when we've talked about how USC didn't have a lot of depth to work with, didn't have, you know, had to rely on receivers stepping up and making plays. We've now seen guys from all over the place also go and do that. And like, what a gratifying feeling to see them get that win, to see them celebrate at the end with all of that uh, coming to be. In, in a lot of ways, I think this game was SC season all wrapped into one. Yeah, I mean, yes. <laughs> like in so many different ways, there were the moments where you looked at it and you go, oh my God, this team is untouchable. Uh, the middle quarters where they score 34 points, outscore UCLA 34-17 in, in the middle quarters. And then there, there's moments where the defense steps up and the defense is doing their thing. And you're like, this is the Alex Grinch we saw in the first six games, right? The one that made second half adjustments. This is the this is the defense that we saw make negative plays, that we saw force turnovers early on in the season. Shane Lee dropping into coverage with, with an interception, right? Like, all these things came to be, and SC allows 45 points tonight, but I think we can sit here and give a lot of credit to the defense for a lot of different things. One, it's like, incredible. They give it 513 yards. It's not, it's not the, the performance no. that Alex Grinch is going to you know put at the front of his resume or anything, but this was a defensive performance against the UCLA team that you knew could gash you at any second, and when SC's defense needed to make a play, they did almost every single time. Yes, they gave up those drives in the, in the second half that were, you know, the, those touchdown drives of, uh, you know, one play, the, the one play 55-yard drive, and then UCLA scored on three straight drives there in the second half. But when SC needed to make a play, they did. Someone yes. stepped up. I We talked about it all week that this was a game that we didn't think uh, Tuli Tuipolotu would necessarily be able to make a big impact because – UCLA is going to be a lot like Utah and Arizona, but better. And he didn't have an impact in those two games. He has a tackle and a half tonight, but he was even more impactful than that. Um, Makai Blackman with a couple of huge moments, a couple of huge defenses, including a pick. I, I, I know the defense gave up a million yards, but like they certainly deserve plenty of, of credit for the, from the moments in which they stepped up. And you look at, you look at the offense 649 yards, this right here, this game, this is what you you signed up for with Lincoln Riley. Yes. Because it was everything. It was running the football effectively. They ran the ball tonight at at times physically. Beautifully. It was was power football at times, running the ball right down UCLA's throat in the second half. Uh, We talked about Austin Jones, 21 carries, 120 yards, two touchdowns. Darwin Barlow had his time, had his his runs. His 19 yard long was incredible. Just kept churning his legs, and 
the running game was incredible and showed why SC is the elite running team that they are on a per play basis. Yes. We've talked about it before that like they're top five in like every rushing st- statistic, um, all the, the analytics in, in terms of rushing, it's just that they don't run the ball a million times a game. And that's why they don't end up, you know, getting more of that. But tonight showed why they don't have to, they don't have to run the ball on every drive. I, I mean, on, on every down because you you build up those passes those passing plays you pass to set up the run and when you do that it works brilliantly when you're able to just chip away the game in the second half by running 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 after creating all the open lanes throughout the first half with with Caleb Williams to the air and then you look at the passing game Jordan Addison absolutely looked at the Belitnikov winner tonight 11 catches 178 yards outstanding you're going to remember his performance from this game for a long time it looks so easy mario williams comes back doesn't have the big performance has a big drop he only had one catch all told for 15 yards two targets it was the one catch and then the drop but it was all about the other guy stepping up tosh washington a couple of huge catches when you needed him to to make them he stepped up Michael Jackson the third when you needed him to, to step up, he made those catches. Kyle Ford with a couple of massive catches, three for 73 tonight, including a 49-yarder down the sideline, has that crazy catch where he leaps up into the end zone. The, everybody you can think of made a play tonight. And in a game in which you score 48 points and give up 45, you need those. And they did. Every People came through. And it's crazy because a couple little things switch and we're sitting here bemoaning how SC let the game away in the first quarter by leaving all the points on the field. We can talk about all the special teams decisions and all that stuff, but it ultimately pays off for SC because they get the defensive play when they need it at the end and everything comes together. Yeah. And, and that's sort of, it was a, it was a team win. It it really was. And, and, it was one of those teams win where team wins where, like you said, on any other night in any other context, you would look at this and say that the defense was just absolutely not part of the victory. But to me, the defense made the plays. The defense flipped the script. You and I were talking a lot in the first quarter about how um, USC was in trouble falling down 14 to nothing because you couldn't just keep up with UCLA's offense anymore. It couldn't yeah. be just tit for tat. And what happened was that USC's defense came up with the stops in that middle in that middle third that they really needed to, to flip the script. Those turnovers before halftime changed the game because we were looking at a scenario where UCLA was going to have the opportunity to go in at the half having scored another touchdown and then have an opportunity to score another touchdown to book in the half. And yeah. if that happened, I don't know how US- USC comes back from it. I really don't. But USC gets those turnovers, flips the script. And even when the offense isn't capitalizing on them in every moment, the defense was able to, in the it, like you said, in the moments that they needed to, those were the, 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 the areas where the game flipped, where the momentum changed, where USC got control. And then once USC was up 10, you know, the whole time, I'm just looking at it thinking like, okay, you're up 10. You have cushion. It doesn't really matter what your defense does from here on out. I mean, it does. In in an alternate universe where we're talking about a, a different USC team with different aspirations from my perspective, um, 
you are looking at that as a problem. But in this particular game, in this particular season, I was looking at it for most of the second half. Once USC goes up 10, sweet. The defense has done their job. They've done it. Yeah. All you need to do for the rest of the way here is just match whatever UCLA does. If they score a touchdown, you score a touchdown. If they score a field goal, you get a field goal at least, and you will win this game. And that is that that's the the reason why I really want to give the defense the kudos in this game because they allow the 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 script to flip. They allow um the the um the the cushion that USC has in the second half. And then they finish off the game. And you can attest to this. Saman and Kenny and Keeley in our in our in our group text can attest to this. My boss at fansided.com can attest to this. Um I had called the game. I called it. The moment that Caleb Williams decided to throw that pass to Josh Follow instead of running to set up a, a third and short at worst and got sacked and USC had to punt. Um, I called it. I was telling everyone, that's it. DTR is going to go be a legend. Uh, UCLA is going to score, and that's ye, it for USC. Ye of, ye of little faith. I am ye of little faith, for sure. Um, and instead, the defense came through. The defense was the one that stepped up and made sure that this game didn't go down the drain, that that all that effort didn't go for, for nothing. And so, yeah, they gave up a million yards. Yeah, they look like a sieve for, for long stretches. Yeah, they couldn't do anything against UCLA for a long time in this game. But to me, it was the timing of what they of what they did. And I expect what we saw from USC's offense in this game. I expect more than what we saw from USC's offense in this game. In fact, we were talking before, like, it's crazy that USC scored 48 in this. And realistically, they should have put up 70. They should have put up 70. Like, this offense, to me, vastly underperformed what they are capable of. And uh, it's incredible. It's a huge compliment, I think, to this offense that they are capable, uh, that they can score 48 points, and I can sit here unsatisfied thinking they should have scored 21 or so more because yeah. they left so many points on the board from the missed field goals to the mistakes uh, in in the, the the red zone that they made, all of those things to that moment when Caleb Williams threw that pass instead of running. Like There were moments in this game where it was just flat-out sloppy, mistake-filled play that you looked at and thought like, this is going to be the thing that loses the game. This is going to be the thing that loses the game. Right. And again, I go back to the, the defense made sure that it wasn't the thing that lost the game in the end. So I'm giving them a ton of credit for standing up when they needed to. And I'm giving this offense a ton of credit for being just absolutely freaking incredible. And Caleb Williams, even though he made mistakes that wanted me to rip my hair out, that interception was terrible. That decision to throw was terrible. Like there were terrible moments in this game, but also like the things he does that just he makes look so easy. He's, I just think he's by far the most talented quarterback that USC has ever had wearing Cardinal and gold. And it's, and it, and it, I don't actually think it's close at this point. It's, it's not close at all. Yeah. The things he does on the, on the field just sort of amaze you at, at every moment. Um, you mentioned the the missed field goals and and early on SC the first drive of the game SC gets goes for it on fourth down gets gets stuff second drive they miss a field goal Dennis Lynch ultimately misses two uh, he missed a third which was called back for a fourth <laughs> try which which ended up being good the the forty nine yarder right before the half and the crazy thing is those three points 
enormous because it's what SC needed to win the game at the end. Mm-hmm. And you, you talk about the, the missed opportunity for UCLA. And I think that if you're the Bruins, you, you sit here in agony oh, over the, yes. the, it's the middle eight. Someone because, was going to be in agony at the end of this game. Well, well, yes, but, but I think the, it's the agony over the middle eight because yeah. UCLA scores uh, to go up. Was it 21, 10? Uh, they go up 21, 10 with three minutes and 48 seconds to come in, to go in the game. SC comes down the field um, and misses a field goal. Uh, DTR throws a pick. SC comes down and actually finally scores 21-17. They get another pick uh, and set up the field goal to make it 21-20 to go into the half. But UCLA had a chance um, up 21-10 to score for the half and then come out in the the second half and score again. They absolutely could have separated this, made it like a three-score game, yeah. and run away with the game at that point. SC wouldn't have been able to run. SC would have had to throw. They would have been, you know, on their back foot, and it could have been smooth sailing for them. They could have ridden Zach Charbonnet off into the sunset, but they didn't sort of do that. What what ended up happening was they DTR makes the mistakes before for the half. SC hangs around, gets the field goal to pull within a point. And then I thought one of the biggest drives of the game was UCLA's first coming out of the half. SC holds them to the field goal. Yeah, but huge. That felt like a win for USC's defense because it ultimately puts them down 24-20. They're able to come down. They score that on the 35-yard touchdown pass to, to Jordan Addison to take the lead 27-24. Uh, the next drive has the fumble immediately. And uh, two minutes later, they're in the end zone again, 34-24. And at that point, they're up two scores. And like you mentioned before, you're up 24, sorry, 34 24 at that point. You can trade scores. It doesn't matter. You are up two scores. If you get in a shootout and SC's offense is performing like it was, that's fine. You can just go trade scores all the way to the end. And it was going to work that way until SC, of course, has to punt on their last second to last drive of course, um, and UCLA gets the chance at the end. But th- this was a game in which SC had their chances early, blew them. UCLA had the chances in the middle um, blew. And, and blew them. And SC well, was and able that's... to control most of the second half. Needed a, a you know shaky moment at the end to, to get through it, but still. And And that's where I think that this game, we said it was very evenly matched. I think it played out very evenly matched yeah. um, in in every way, in every sense, because both teams were prone to making really, really, really bad mistakes and that, that essentially cost them the game. And I think it's, it's right that you point out, like this game comes down to three points. That's yeah. the, that's the timeout that gets called. Like that's uh, well, um, and it, and it could have been that, that, mistaken 12 men on the field penalty that wasn't that wiped out uh ucla's attempt but they were able to make it like there were there were a million moments in this game where that's the game changer that's the that's the one right um i thought that the game really turned before this the before, before halftime because ucla in trying to bookend the half went away from what was working so well for them like it was demoralizing watching them run the ball the way that they were able to do against USC early. And with less time available to them in the half, 
they tried to push it with DTR. And like, honestly, I think they could have scored a touchdown in a minute 15 if they just handed the ball off to Charbonnet on every play. Like, I, it's not, I, I, I know it's unreasonable to like expect them to not take the clock into account, but like, I think it really benefited USC that they were pushing it the way they were because that's when DTR throws the interceptions. That's when he makes yeah. the critical errors that gives USC new life. And, um, and, and it, it really came down to those sort of in between moments. And, and, you know, Caleb almost threw the game away by trying to hit Josh follow for no reason. Um, that interception he threw in the, in the, first quarter was absolutely devastating the freshman play that Relique brown made on third down to not just strike. get to the yeah. marker going back um, from the marker that usc ends up getting a um stopped on fourth down which that fourth down play by the way you take a timeout and then you come out and like i don't your I don't play know looks Williams like you doing yeah i mean usc has been so good in short yardage just handing the ball off keep it simple like i don't know why they didn't do that yeah. the field goal miss was bad the interception was bad. Uh, the later field goal miss was bad. The punt at the end was bad. Like there were just moments in this game. There were there were penalties where USC was giving UCLA 15 yards down the field. Everyone in the chat wants us to talk about the squib kicks. Multiple squib kicks in this game that were like blown up in USC's face immediately. Yeah. That I still don't understand what they were trying to accomplish. What they were trying to like the funniest one was they do it the second time and it's like, well, okay, are they just really that scared of Kaz Allen? I get it. I'd be scared of Kaz Allen too, but like you haven't given up a, a return touchdown at all this season. So it's not like you're, it's not like you're like hurt. Like it would be one thing if he returned a, a kick and then for the rest of the game, you're squibbing because you're trying to avoid him. Like that makes sense to me, I guess, but like preemptively trying to avoid Kaz Allen only for the very next play DTR to hit Kaz Allen for a long touchdown pass. Like right. that was comical. Like there were so many moments like that that it's just like both teams going back and forth, like to who would try to lose the game and who would try to win the game. Not, and I think that's what 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 made this such a great game because it wouldn't have been as good a game if DTR wasn't such a warrior. It, it, it wouldn't have been yeah. as good a, as good a game if if it, if it was cinematic. Didn't have, yes, I think, I think it was a very cinematic game. Um, this yes, I, I hate all of the the BS that that national like sports writers write about SC about, oh, you know, Clay Helton isn't Hollywood, and that's yeah. just what SC needs, like all those kind of things, right? Or Lincoln Riley has gone Hollywood. Like, nobody cares. Cody like, Kessler isn't Hollywood. Just people like in L.A., like like actual like Angelinos, don't need to feel Hollywood no. on, on a daily basis. Like, when when you take care of your business, you become Hollywood. Like, that that's how – Hollywood is a reaction. It's yes. not a thing that you go out and, and seek to be. Hollywood is executing on offense. So you score 48 points. Yes. Like uh, and but in this game, like was like this Hollywood game where like you could see this was like watching a Friday Night Lights episode where you know you you're going up against that back and forth, yeah. Yeah, like Voodoo Tatum or somebody. Yeah. And, and, and DTR's out there like playing with like a broken hand or something and he just keeps getting perfect, up. He's the perfect movie villain. Yeah. Because he, he's talking crap after every play. Um he's, oh, he's so hateable. He like yes, and and but he's so good and he keeps making all those plays, and you're like, ah. and yeah, then, yeah, Caleb yeah. Williams. As, having the last lap. As I said on, on on Twitter, like I am not sad to see the last of, of DTR. I I hate him in 
in only the way that like you hate a competitor for being so competitive like right. watching him in this game be so here's the here, again it's it's who's your guy right because at the end of the game when Caleb Williams does that last run to get the first down to just kill it his reaction was it just got me so pumped up it was like yes like I've never seen him that fired up I loved it DTR is doing that throughout the game so like I would totally get if if you know UCLA fans if I was a UCLA fan or whatever you would absolutely love it. Like you would just absolutely feed off of it. Love it. But when he's not your guy, when he's the one running and making plays and doing all that, it's just like, get, can someone shut him up? Can someone just take that smirk off of his face, please? Like the last thing in the world I want to see is DTR smirk. Like, isn't it so much better? Like, I I know that there's a lot of people out there and a lot of people in the chat that are going to disagree with me here. Um, who want UCLA to lose every game. I don't want that, but yeah. I, I I don't want that. And and not because I'm rooting for UCLA or anything. I want UCLA to, to be good every year so that way the game matters. Yes. That's that's who I am. And I think, you know, this game was so much fun. This whole week was so much fun. All of the it, it makes SC winning feel that much better for the Trojans and all that stuff when it ends up being a game like this. And it's a worthy opponent. It, it's so much better than when they're playing. Like who was the guy from 2016 Fawful? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yes. <laughs> like, yeah, who? that dude. Y- yeah. UCLA like, has had some dudes like that that are just like, who is this dude? Like, like, like Kevin Kraft or, yeah. or something like that. Like I, I, I understand that, you know, you, you don't want you obviously don't want UCLA to be you know too good too good and all that stuff but like you, you want them to have a pulse and, yes. and, and DTR for sure uh, gave them a pulse and SC gets the win here uh, SC didn't have to score sixty to get it and UCLA didn't score sixty like DTR wanted but mm-hmm. we got a bunch well, of questions you don't you don't talk before the game somebody somebody said the difference uh, Jeremy in the chat the difference was Caleb did it after the game DTR did it the whole week before yeah but that's who like that's who yes. DTR is and he you know what he's backed it up in the past. But when you're a trash talker like that, when you're like that, you have to take your lumps when it doesn't come through. And like DTR's yeah. gonna DTR's taking his lumps. So uh, yeah, USC fans have every right to just rib him to to hell and back for the way that he approached the game. But that's who he is. And like that's what makes it fun. That's what makes him such a great villain. Somebody that it matters more when you get the stop, when you intercept and when you force what did he have? Four turnovers in this game? Like it's that much more satisfying to do that to DTR than, like you said, like Jasper says, forget that noise. You guys weren't around. I was, trust me, I was around for all of those. Oh yeah. Michael, I I was not Michael. Michael was, I remember the 99 game because the funniest thing to me in hindsight were the number of people who SC finally wins for the first time in, in forever. There were whole families who were taking family photos on the field at the Coliseum because SC rushed the field because they hadn't been able to celebrate beating UCLA in that long. So yes, I remember the, the, all of those 97 was, it was a frustrating one. 98, of course, 96, the overtime game, 93, the one where Rob Johnson throws the interception at the end, all of those. There's no, but it it does follow that there's nothing worse than losing to UCLA. I was in the middle of this game. My freak out in this game was less about like, 
obviously I wanted USC to win, but like most of it was, you didn't I cannot Jake. stand the idea of losing to this team and losing to DTR. Like I can't stand it. Like that's not, it was not going to be okay. And so like credit to USC for, for coming through and sealing the deal and winning. And, and you know, this is one thing I do want to bring up about this team. You know, we're going to have discussions about, whether or not this team is a playoff team, I will still maintain and, and people may disagree with me. And I think they're within their rights to disagree because you are what your record says you are. Um, I don't think this is a playoff team. I just don't see a playoff caliber team here. Um, that's just my opinion. It, it, it's where I'm at. But the thing I will say for this team is that they have that ability to go out and make the plays when they need to make them. And yeah. the one time that they didn't, was a one-point loss to Utah. Yeah. In a hard-fought mirror game to this. Yeah, on a two-point conversion when they had already lost Eric Gentry and they'd lost Jordan Addison. And and just a weird game on the road in Salt Lake City. Like, the the circumstances of the game were so difficult. Um, It sort of mirrored this game. This was almost a... This was almost the game... That uh, that that game wasn't where, but FC made a play at the end. It was very very similar in that back and forth, and in the end, yeah, USC made a play, and USC made the play, and they've been making those plays all year, and they keep winning, and that's the thing is is if you keep winning, then you will go to the playoff. Whether or not I think that you are of a caliber that can compete at that level is irrelevant. If you keep yeah. winning, you go to the playoff, and this team they have they have been able to keep winning and keep winning and show their stuff. And they have the quarterback and they have the coach and they have a defense that forces four turnovers in, in the biggest game of the year. And like, that's what this team is. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, right, rightly say, like, do not lose sight of the fact that this team was four and eight last year. Do not lose sight of that fact. Yeah. This was a four and eight team last year. And yes, they added Caleb Williams and Jordan well, Addison and think, those guys. But like, think about the guys who made all the big plays um, today. How like a lot of them are, are new faces, but some of those guys just Barlow Corey, Corey Foreman was the guy For, who was here last year. Foreman was on that team. Barlow was Barlow on that was team. on that team. Um Kyle Ford, who by the way, I think we need to have a conversation about Kyle Ford because yes. everything that, that kid has gone through to be in this game making plays week I, after week after week I'm, after week. Like I'm I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> I've watched 10 games. I don't need to see Brendan Rice start anymore. Not if Kyle Ford's going to make these plays. Not if Kyle no. Ford's going to be out there making the plays reliably as he does every single week. Yeah. Kyle Ford has proven himself. He is. We we talk about USC's wide receiver pecking order, right? It's Jordan Addison. It's Mario Williams. And then that like free for all of like, is it Taj Washington? Is it Brendan Rice? Is it Kyle Ford? Is it Michael Jackson? Is it whoever? Like, to me, it's Jordan Addison Mar- and Mario Williams, and then it's Kyle Ford and and and, and Taj Washington. Yeah, and it's those are the four. It, it, those are the four, and the rest of them can contribute. Michael Jackson continues to contribute. Um, we continue to see guys step up in 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 moments when when they're needed, and I love that. But like to me, Kyle Ford is one of the top three receivers on this team, whether it's A B one C and two C or whatever it is like Kyle Ford has proven himself yes as somebody that is reliable that makes plays and is just hard to cover hard to stop i love seeing number 81 out there catching passes 
and living up to what we hoped he could be when he was, uh, you know, coming in as a very highly touted freshman. And it hasn't, he hasn't had a lot of luck. Yeah. But he's come back and, and geez, has he made an impression? Yeah. And, and I know that there's, we've talked about it in the past a couple of weeks ago when we were talking, mentioning guys who we would start over, over California. I think Shotgun over at USCFootball.com has talked about, well, there's, there's different positions. You can't just mention anyone to, to take away reps from, 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 from Brendan Rice. And while I get that, I also think that like, well then move somebody else over there. Move, you know what I mean? Like, I, I think we can, we can move somebody, no matter what it is, I, I, I would put, it's not just Kyle Ford for me. And, and I don't just want to bag on Brendan Rice. I, I think that he absolutely he's made has some made, plays. He's made some plays this year. And I think that he is a hell of a talent who needs, you know, more development. And I think that some guys just need to, to be developed further. Yeah. And that's fine. There's no shame in that. Um, there's just other guys who I think are just ready right now. And that's Kyle Ford. That's Michael Jackson the third. I would take uh, Kyron Hudson. Um, let's see more of Terrell Bynum. Like, there's guys. Yeah, there, there's, there's absolutely guys. But and and the one thing we've seen from USC is guys are stepping up. Yeah, guys deep down this lineup are stepping up. And at whether we're talking wide receiver or running back, dudes are stepping up, and it doesn't matter front line you're, you're you're going down the line and uh and they're making it happen so yeah big big kudos to those guys all right guys we, we got a bunch of questions so let's uh let's start to dive into these we got a bunch of questions Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. If you're just joining us, be sure to subscribe, like the video, uh, like the stream. It helps grow the channel, helps us uh, continue uh, to to make content for you guys. We couldn't do this without you here at live on YouTube. Continue to answer, ask your questions, and we'll, we'll keep marking them to, to come back to them and, and get to them here uh, in the CarCast, and we appreciate you guys joining us. Um, Down Panoy asks, I think the biggest question, I think if you're listening to uh, the, maybe the What's Bruin Show car cast is why did UCLA stop giving it to, to Zach Charbonnet? Uh, not complaining, says Adam Pinoy. It, it's an incredible question. I think going into this game, if we would have said that 
I mean, we set the line on over under for 173 yards, right? Like that's where I put the line. And it's crazy because he had half that. So he got the under. Kudos to you if you, if you pick the under on the, on the. But he had he had 19 carries. He, he had, had 19, 19 carries, carries and had four a, catches. Can... So like it's not like they weren't using him. Yes. But I tend to agree. Like this felt like the kind of game where he could have 40 carries. Yeah. Just yeah. keep handing him the ball because USC was having a hell of a time stopping him. And I think that was a mistake that, that Chip Kelly made. And it's a mistake that I think Lincoln Riley, we have complained about in the past, not just leaning on the run game when the run game is working. And I think in this game, they did a lot better at that in 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 that they just kept handing it off to Austin Jones and they kept handing yeah. it off to Darwin Barlow when they were feeling it. Mm-hmm. And and that is is to their credit to, to go out and, and they got make all those, those guys plays. involved. But Charbonnet only 95 yards it wasn't to me it's a huge USC win stopping him it's a huge win yes to, to have him there yeah uh, the other thing is jake bobo only having four catches 76 yards and some of those about like a back-breaking 76 that last, yards. that last one that he had i just but uh, 10 targets he only yeah. caught four four of them yeah well, uh, and there was that one there was that one that i literally i i, I sent a text message says to i forget where i put it but if Jake Bobo had caught that pass, the, the one where the, the, DTR should never throw the ball, he just ho- ho- lobs <laughs> it up and USC should get an interception, but it's tipped and yeah. Bobo tips it sort of. If he had caught that, I would have just walked out my apartment door and never come back. I just, I'd still be walking. Like, I, I don't know where I would be right now. I just, I would be lost. It would, I just, I would not have been able to, to handle that. Ne- next question from Madame Panoy Who stepped up the most, Ford, Foreman, Jones, or Barlow? I think Austin Jones. Honestly, it was Austin Jones. And one of the reasons why USC's offense was as effective as it was, and that's the crazy thing. There didn't feel like a time where UCLA had figured out how to stop USC. USC was stopping USC more often than UCLA was stopping USC. This offense was so effective because it wasn't Mm one-dimensional. We thought that UCLA would sell out to stop the run. And I think there were moments where it looked like that's what their plan was. Austin Jones didn't let them do it though. Austin Jones was so effective on the ground yeah. that they weren't able to just put all their focus on uh they, they weren't able to sort of force the game to 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 go through big plays through the air. And they were certainly vulnerable to that, but being able to hand it off to Austin Jones to get five yards on first down, set up a second and short, yeah, is such a huge advantage for an offense that has so many weapons. Like to me, it was Austin Jones, and it, and it's and it's not close. Like he was just. I happened to be wearing the number six jersey um, today. It, it, you know, I just it just happened to to who, have who, my old. Who's that six? Um, this was Malcolm Smith yeah. when I bought it. Yeah, yeah. I don't tend to wear. We we tend not to wear our gear on the podcast because we're we're trying to be professional but tisk, it, tisk, tisk, it's a rivalry like. night and uh, i decided to, to wear it so wow you know unprofessional over here uh dave says can we hire a special teams coach this week yeah th- this was the i think thing your for me. take i think your take on this is the correct take so i'm just gonna let you take it i'm okay with with se not having a special teams coach i think it's fine i, I it, would i have one probably but like i not the hill I'm going to die on. I get it. Whatever. My problem is if you're not going to have a special teams coach, then don't do weird things. Yes. Like be <laughs> play the percentages, 
be boring. Be boring on special teams. Bo- more like, boring than boring could possibly be. Call all the fair catches in the world. Yes. Like, in this game, they do a rat return. Yeah. <laughs> like, they do a rat return. Um, there were multiple squib kicks, or like like short kicks. Like, what? Here, here's the, here. Can I say? What, can I say one thing? Doing? Can I say one thing on the special teams thing? Everyone's saying like USC needs a special teams coordinator, but like you realize that someone was calling special, like someone is in charge of special teams on game days, like someone decided to run that rat return. Yeah. Someone decided to do that squib kick. So like it's not that there isn't a special teams coordinator; it's that someone is being a dumbass. So like USC doesn't well, need. You don't have to go that far. Okay, fine. I'm going to go that far because I still don't understand what they were trying to accomplish. The issue isn't having a special teams coach. It's having somebody on the on the staff who understands that if we're not going to dedicate a lot of time to special teams in practice, which, by the way, people spent 10, 10 years complaining about how much time USC spent on special teams in practice. If you're not going to go do that, then don't mess around with special teams. Yeah. Don't try weird stuff. Don't do squib kicks. Don't attempt long field goals. Don't, you know, go for fourth downs and all that like basic stuff that you can do instead of depending on your special teams. Like, I don't think having a special teams coach necessarily um, like solves the issue because to me, special teams is trying to do more than they should be in the first place. Yeah, I... Just, just keep it simple. Keep, keep it simple for me. And I think that's the that's the key there. Um, we got so many questions on special teams, so many of them that are very similar. So if we're skipping your question, that's probably because uh, yeah. it's almost the same. Glenn says, can we start a GoFundMe? We're a special teams coach. Uh, Sam says, why, is it, why the short kicks? Every time we did that, they just scored. I still don't you know. understand. Like, I'm, sure I'm sure the reason for the short kicks was to – keep the ball out of Casimir Kaz- Allen's hands. I get it, but also I like you haven't given up a special team touchdown yet this year. Yeah. Um has Kaz so, Allen even returned a special team like that's, that's the I thing know about- he's dangerous, but it's not like you were giving them the ball at the 40 anyways. So if he has a 40-yard return, it's not the end of the world. This is the thing that I found frustrating about SC special teams is that it's not like they're getting Yes, they've given up some some big returns, but like they haven't given up touchdowns. They haven't had punts blocked and returned and like all those kind of things. So like they've been getting away with getting away just fine to play the just boring uh run of the mill mediocre special teams game. Their mistakes have all been self-induced. Yeah. Which are like the well, let's short kick it for the hell of its no sake, yeah. right? Like like those are just the I'd rather you onside kick it. Like I'd rather you try to catch them off guard by onside kicking it. If you're gonna give them the ball at the 40, you might as well give it to them at the 50 and, and see if you can get possession. Like Yeah. I don't know. It's that's uh, just frustrating. Mar- Marcelo says, what's it gonna take for Kyle Ford to permanently crack the starting lineup? I I I, I don't know about the starting lineup at this point. I I, the I do starting think lineup that he's, at receiver doesn't really matter. The yeah, this is the thing that w- with the receivers, they've been getting at least in this game especially everybody was cycled in there routinely i think jordan addison played a a million snaps but i feel like everybody else at least was in and out mario williams i thought was seldom used it felt like Mm -hmm. um and there were a lot of guys who were were like that because they were just cycling through everybody so 
while we can sit here and complain uh, that that uh, Kyle Ford doesn't have more targets, um, he still didn't have the same number as Brendan Rice. He's um, popping up when USC needs him. Yes, and, and he's still he's still getting run. Yes, um, yes, but I think we all agree that it, it could be absolutely more than that. Yeah. Um, Fighting on MC says invite to New York for Caleb. I don't see how it doesn't happen. Joel, Joel Klatt was certainly campaigning for him hard tonight. So here's the thing is the Heisman race is still pretty wide open and it's even more wide open after today because Hendon Hooker just got injured and it looked yeah. very bad. Blake and a big Cor- loss for him too. Blake Corum got injured for Michigan, the running back. Um, it sounds like he's going to possibly play in, in the game. So like he'll have a, an opportunity, but he's also, he had a knee injury that kept him out in the second half of, uh, of today's game against, uh, against um, uh, Illinois. So it's not like he is going to be expected to, you know, go off for 200 yards. Um, The, the quarterback, like I, I think that when you watch CJ Stroud, I certainly don't see a quarterback of Caleb Williams caliber. Um, Mm, That's a take. That's all I'm saying. I don't see a quarterback of 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 Caleb Williams' caliber. That's a a Um, take. I'm I'm sorry. There are there are a lot of like uh, you know I would personally get Max Duggan an invite at this point to um to New York, but I don't see how you don't have Caleb Williams there at this point. Just you can't. The only reason Caleb Williams won't be going to New York is because enough Heisman voters simply did not watch a single USC game this year or the only one they watched was against Oregon state. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I, the, the thing is SC's playing three straight primetime games. Um, the SC UCLA game tonight, the only game people are watching and unless you're a Tennessee fan, nobody was watching the Tennessee game. You were watching SC UCLA, right? Yeah. Um, Next week is SC Notre Dame. Same thing. All the, all the big rivalry games are going to be early on in the day. SC UCLA is, I mean, sorry, SC Notre Dame is going to be the showcase nighttime game on ABC and all that. So that's absolutely a moment, another moment for Caleb Williams to do his thing. And if, and now we know that SC is going to play the short week on Friday night in a couple of weeks. Um, it's a Friday night. No, nobody else is playing at that time. It's a complete monopoly. Everyone's going to be watching Caleb Williams. So he's going to have his say to, to get in there. I think the, the difficult part for him is that unlike Hendon Hooker, he doesn't have the win over Alabama, but Caleb Williams has the win over UCLA now. He's going to ha- potentially could have the win over Notre Dame and, and Oregon or Utah, whoever it ends up being, right? Like these things are still going to end up playing out then we'll see what what becomes of them um i think he absolutely could be in the mix for for new york the problem right now i think is there's so many different candidates could sort of get a weird split i I don't know like because the invites for for people who either have forgotten or or aren't sure the invites for new york are based on the percentage of i think it's percentages yeah sometimes it's only three yeah sometimes it's it's three sometimes it's six like uh you know it could be any number and it and it depends on how the voting goes so like yeah if there's a weirdly split vote and you get five guys invited then you know that's one thing but if everyone just if blake quorum just absolutely destroys ohio state 
and everyone just decides, well, he's the Heisman winner, then it could just be two guys invited. And then, you know, it's, you know, look, look to next year. Yeah. Uh, like I said, Caleb's biggest performances, if those are still to come, that that's the best thing about his, uh, his, his Heisman case. Yeah. Uh, Murray says what caused the offense from uh, starting out so out of sync. I don't know if they were ever out of sync tonight. I think mm-hmm. the problem was critical moments, critical plays. It was the the on that first drive, it's really Brown not just moving his feet and finishing forward um, and going down, falling forward instead of, you know, going sideways and trying to step back and, and making a guy miss and taking you out of a first down. So, um, yeah. yeah, I don't I don't think there was anything, you know, majorly systemic. SC moved the ball constantly tonight. It was just Ed, with ease. Yes, the, it the, was just they couldn't finish off their drive. It was for, little for mistakes. Yeah, you know, for one one thing or another. I mean, it was a freshman mistake from Relique. It was, uh, you know, a mistake from Caleb, or it was mm-hmm. uh, Mason Murphy getting getting smoked on at left tackle on a couple of plays. Yeah, uh, it was the weird timeout that USC called on a play that looked like uh, they had a, a, an open man at the marker. Um, just those little individual mm-hmm. little things. It, it was not, I think a systemic or, or flow or anything like that. It was just singular moments that were costly. Yeah. Ricky D says, when's the last time USC beat all of their rivals in a season 2008. Okay. So who are you calling all the rivals? Because if it's UCLA and Notre Dame, um, then SC has most recently done that in 17? 2016, right? No, yeah, right, because they lost to Notre Dame in, in so yeah, it would be it would be 2016. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's if you're not counting like Stanford. If you're counting right. Stanford, Cal, yeah, Notre Dame and UCLA, then yeah, I think it is 2008. Yeah, because yeah. Uh, you look at the best seasons that SC has had. Uh, 2011, they lost to Stanford. Um, 2013, they lose to UCLA and Notre Dame. So, yeah, I, I think it's right. 2008, if you include all four. Um, Cam says, what was with the Mario Williams and Brendan Rice drops? The Br- Brendan Rice things, at this point, it's just been... It's that, a lack of it, he's he's running with the ball before it's in his hand. That's yeah. to me every time that happens, it's he's thinking about what he's going to do next instead of focusing on catching the the ball. The Max it's, Williams it's when he's the most open. Yes. So, so that yeah, that's why I think that you're right. Like he's trying to run before he catches. Yeah. The Max Williams one, I, I would have liked to get another look at it, but to me, it looked like the pass was kind of wobbly, and I think that he uh, he wasn't like ready for where it was. I think it was just sort of a weird. It looked like a weird throw and, and weird situation where he was sort of caught off guard, and it doesn't excuse him dropping it because he did. But yeah. it looked to me like it. They just it, there was something off about it. it. It wasn't like one of those ones where it's you know right on the numbers or something, and he dropped it. It right. looked a little strange. And he, uh, you know, hasn't played in a few weeks. He, he gets the benefit of the doubt a little bit there, I think. Yeah. Um, Hokey Hokey P says, uh, should Lincoln Riley be in the conversation for Coach of the Year? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, will he win it? I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys who are going to be in that conversation. Um, Dan Landing over at Oregon um, should be in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, Sonny Dykes at TCU absolutely, absolutely. should be uh, in that conversation. Um, what Chris Kleiman is doing over at K-State should be in, the, in that conversation. 
Um, what's his face at Illinois? Um, I would uh, honestly, to, to me, Pac-12 coach of the year, I understand if you want to give it to Lanning, but USC was four and eight last year. So I would still give it to Lincoln. Here, here's, um, here's the tough thing about Pac-12 coach of the year. They like to give it to like. I legitimately think there's five guys who have a le- like honest well, to God Kalen chance. Kalen De- DeBoer, DeBoer should be in that conversation. Kalen DeBoer should be in that Chip conversation. Chip Kelly should be in that conversation. Or he certainly was before the Arizona loss. Yes. yes. Um, um uh, I would Kalen DeBoer deserves to be in that conversation. Jonathan Smith absolutely, absolutely deserves yes. to be in that conversation. If they beat Oregon next week, they finish nine and three. Yes. Um, and a damn good nine and three, um, a couple points away from being 10 and two, having beaten SC. Um, he deserves to be in that conversation. Dan Lanning deserves to be in that conversation. Lincoln Riley deserves to be in that conversation. Like they're, uh, Dickert at Washington State. I think that you know has done a really good job. I think they lost yeah. today, but um, he did they? Uh, I think they did. Yeah. Um, uh, Jed Fish look. deserves to to have a shout there. Um, Jed Fish is doing a hell of a he, job. He deserves yeah. some sort of recognition for something. You know what I mean? Like maybe not coach of the year, but I mean like they a, did lay an egg today. But <laughs> but something yeah. a, a gift certificate, the Shakies. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> something. Um, yeah, there's a yeah. lot of great coaches in the Pac-12 this my, year. My argument for Lincoln Riley is the exact reason why I think that he won't get it because he brought in Caleb Williams and Jordan Addison and all those guys. But like, my argument for Lincoln Riley is that he brought in all the he literally cut USC's roster in half, went took a four and eight team, yeah. turned them into got them to the Pac-12 title game. They're the only team that is that is clinched at this point. What Lincoln Riley has done. He's going to get docked because of the talent he has available to him on offense. But like the fact that he got that talent to USC in the first place and is having them follow through in the first place, yes. knowing that you brought guys from every single different which way and brought them together. Like, yes, Caleb Williams and Mario Williams were teammates, but like he got Jordan Addison and Caleb Williams on the same page. He got Travis, he got uh, uh, Travis Dye to be incredible. He's getting Austin Jones to be incredible. He's getting Darwin Barlow to be incredible. He's getting stuff out of um, out of Kyle Ford and Taj Washington and Michael Jackson and everybody like the the job he's done to go from four and eight to ten and one right now is just top 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 tier and I think he's not getting enough credit for it from the Pac-12 perspective and also from the national perspective. Now, to me, Sonny Dykes can run away with this thing if he wins the Big Big Twelve. Yeah. Like what Sonny Dykes is because Sonny Dykes has done. I mean, with he, TCU. he almost lost it by the the last well minute. In that I game. mean, it happens. My God, yeah. Some TCU has been Hypnotoad has been uh, living on living on the edge this year. But like, I think the level of difficulty for Sonny Dykes and TCU was greater because he also took over a team that had been that that, that was sort of had lost some luster and has turned them into a playoff contender. So like, I really respect what Sonny Dykes has done, especially because Sonny Dykes is philosophically different than his predecessor. He is an offense minded head coach who took over from a defense minded head coach. And he's got this team playing at a, at a really high level, but um, yeah, do not. Uh, I, I think that Lincoln Riley should absolutely be up there. I can make the case for him. Absolutely. The job that he has done to transform USC as a program 
I don't think he's getting enough credit for it, to be honest. I really don't. I think it's way more difficult to do what he's done yeah. than people well, are are seeing. Yes, he's had he has the transfer portal to turn things around, but also he needs should get credit for getting those guys to come in the transfer portal. Yes. Especially when, you know, there were other guys who were after Jordan Addison. Uh, This guy named Nick Saban really wanted Jordan Addison, right? Yeah. You know, um, he still had to go recruit those guys. Uh, Let's go to a question from Marcelo, who would win in a one-on-one between Brendan Rice and Torin Harris. Um, Um, Brendan Rice would... Because the difficult catches, the ones where there's a defender in his face, which was the Torin Harris thing, this, this those true. are the ones he makes. Is his yeah. issue is when he's not covered, and uh, and and he just drops the ball because he's he's getting ready to turn and run. So yeah, I think Brendan Rice would win battles with Torin Harris because Torin Harris's whole problem was he was always in the right place at the right time. He just never he would just like people would just make catches over him every time. So yeah. Yeah, uh, Davis says, was there an over-under for interceptions by guys named Corey Foreman and Shane Lee? No. No, but there should have been. <laughs> Our bad. Absolutely should have been. We messed up on that one. David says, was tonight the first time a commenter mentioned Caleb's uh, body language and demeanor? It's something I noticed a few weeks ago. If Aaron Rodgers is a 10, Caleb is a 6. Hit. This is what's incredible about Caleb Williams' demeanor and body languages, and this is the contrast to DTR that we've saw that we saw. Caleb is so cool and so collective. He like he he just looks he looks like unflummoxed at all times. He he will still talk trash though. But but that's the thing is that he's like when I say cool, I mean like like cool and collected, but also like he's just a cool dude. Like he can't. He's just dripping swagger too what i loved is that while the game is on the line while he has to stay focused he keeps within himself the moment the game was done that emotional outburst that we saw from him shows you how much it means and that it's not just that he's just this flat guy who doesn't have that it's clear that that's boiling inside of him but he doesn't let it out until until he's he's in a position where it's not going to affect the way that he's going to play on a play-by-play basis. Like yeah, that to me is the sign of a really, really uh, great quarterback with the right mentality to play quarterback at a high level. Yeah. And you know, not just his demeanor and body language, but the way he plays, I, I really like the, the way he plays and he, oh, it's, he, it's so he, good. he makes, he makes him, you know, take some risks. Um, the the you, you live and, and you die by it a little bit there at the end you live a um, lot more by it though the the one where he he throws and uh throws the the josh follow it's one of those things i understand i if you're in if you're playing madden it completely works he does that like three or four other times in the game and it is an incredible play right but but like it, it, i get what he's thinking he did that to Kyle ford earlier yeah. and like ford went off and and got a bunch of yards like he yeah. does that a lot. So, but, but you gotta almost be telepathic context. in order to, to make it work. Yeah. And he tries it. And I, I respect him for trying it. Uh, even if, if sometimes that, that's not going to end up uh, going in your favor, at least for SC. Uh, didn't hurt him because he was busy making a million other plays that uh, put them in position to still win the game. Um, 
Glenn says, get American punters, no more 30-year-old Aussies kicking for us. I, I don't know that the... Um, I don't think Aiden Sleep Dalton is, is 30 years. I don't think he's one of those no, guys, no, for the record. He's, he's one of the younger dudes. He's not one of the, like, uh, the, the Aussie former rule guys, Aussie guys who, yeah. like, um, blew out his knee and then is going pro in something other than the AFL. Um, that's that's not... He's not one of those dudes, but he's from the same camp, Pro King Australia. Um, I don't know. I... I don't. I don't think that's SC's problem either. Is 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 the punting? Um, it's the decision making with with the script kicks and whatnot. So or the yeah. short kicks. Um, Mars says, "Follow has earned bench time, hasn't he? Is he worthy of playing time?" Um, I think that follow has uh, is part of why USC is running the ball so well. Because yeah. from what I have seen, he is by far USC's incredible statement to make, by the way, considering where we were years ago. <laughs> he is by far USC's most capable run blocker. <laughs> I think there's a reason we don't see, you know, apps much. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I don't, I like, part of me wonders, like, is Epps injured? Is Epps, there's something else going on with Epps? Because we haven't seen him in, in a while. Uh, Lake McCree is still a young guy. He's still sort of earning and pl- earning his place. I think that Josh Follow has done just fine. I think that uh, that like today, the 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 situation at the end was not his fault. Like he was getting ready to turn and block, which was exactly what he should have done. Caleb screwed that one up. I think there was an earlier pass that that uh, it was behind him or something, or he, it, it didn't mark him as dropped. But um, no, I, I think Follow's done fine. I, I have no problem with um with Follow. Also, uh, Marcelo in the chat, did we cover with a three-point win? Yes, I think so. I think USC covered because I think the line was 2.5. I guess it depends on where you look. Yeah, I don't know where it finished. Yeah. And and big big shout-out to uh, all of the uh, college football is rigged TikTokers. Yes. <laughs> talking about Baylor and TCU. Uh, Baylor did cover. So, they did. Uh, yep. Big, big ups to, to those guys. Um, Manolo says, uh, who do you give the player of the game on defense to? Um, I, I, I think there's an argument for Foreman just because of this, the, because of the, the moment, because of the moment, but yeah. I think I would sort of rather give it to someone like Makai Blackman, who okay. I thought made, obviously he has the interception. That's big. He made, uh, had a couple good pass breakups. Um, I just think he's a very reliable defender for USC and they would have had a lot more problems today if they didn't have someone like Makai Blackman out there. Um, oh. I also want to give a shout out to Tyrone uh, Teleni because mm-hmm. he forces the fumble. He was active yeah. in the backfield. He was he was getting after it. Um, I think that you will see arguments for Tuli Tupelotu. One point five tackles for loss. And I was I saw on on my Twitter timeline uh, that um, Alex Grinch was asked, you know how did USC do do a good job of not letting Charbonnet totally tear them apart? And he credited Thule with um, sort of setting the tone and not letting that get out, out get out of hand. So yeah, um, I think the defense got a lot of sort of key uh, contributions from people, but not one that sort of stands out as this is a clear player of the game kind of situation. Yeah. Um Another guy I'll, I'll mention, Shane Lee, led yeah. the team in tackles with nine. Interception. I, I think in a game like this, uh, for your leading tackler not to be a safety is, is a good thing. Yes. Uh, he did have the interception. I, I think he um, he 
he played uh, as well as he could have tonight. Um, the other one is um, Max Williams. Yes. Three pass breakups, nearly had a pick six, nearly had a pick six. Um, that, that Which, really... thank God that there was another interception that followed either the play after or yeah. a little before that, yeah, a little after that. Yeah, so so that that really could have done it as well. I, I think that on defense, there's so many guys. I think you, you sort of have to give it like a – it was a cop-out, but it's like a, a team thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Josh says, if Caleb Williams gets invited to the Heisman show, do you think that bolsters recruiting even more, maybe sways some recruits that they've been working on? Sure. I think it's a, it's a great case for quarterbacks going forward. But here's the thing. I don't think they need him to do that because all Lincoln Riley can, needs to do is say, hey, here's my phone. You want to scroll through? Uh, here's Kyler Murray's phone number. Here's Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts's phone number. Uh, Baker Mayfield's phone number. All these guys um, in the NFL. Um Oh, USC already has Malachi Nelson committed. Yeah. And there's a reason Malachi Nelson is committed. He wants to come play for Lincoln Riley. I think that having a quarterback who is in the running for the Heisman, having a quarterback who looks like a future number one overall draft pick, mm-hmm. that is very, very good for recruiting. Um, but also, like, that's a function of how good Lincoln Riley is at his job. So, yeah. Uh, Raymond Murray says it's college game day coming to LA next week. Did they announce it? They uh, I have not seen I have not seen an announcement from college game day. So here's the equation with college game day. Um, the game is obviously going on. Michigan, Ohio State, undefeated. Oh, yeah, no, they announced it. They're going to the game. Okay, yeah, that, that was yeah. expected. Yeah, we figured that they were going to do that. The only shakeup that I thought could be possible would be that big noon kickoff will be there and if they didn't want to sort of share the platform then they could go they've to USC Notre Dame but they've shared the platform before yeah. so that was not going to stop them from going to an undefeated matchup between Michigan and Ohio State like yeah. I don't blame them yeah um Glenn says are you waking up at 5 a.m for the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix I don't know because here's the thing here's a little uh programming notes we are going out of town starting bright and early in the morning and so uh this week, I'm not 100% sure if we're going to be on the same time as always. I don't think – I think we might ha- we might have later shows instead of 5 p.m. We might push them back a little bit later um, this week. Uh, so our Monday show and our Wednesday show might be a little bit later. Um, stay tuned. Stay. This is why you need to be subscribed. You can see when the things get posted. We'll be mm-hmm. sure to post anything to the community page uh, and keep you up to date on Twitter and all that. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're going out of town. We're, we're, we're going to be driving up north uh, with family up to Thanksgiving uh, in Washington State. So um, we're excited about that. So I, mean, I don't know if we're going to watch the Grand Prix. I may plan to be up at five o'clock, but I don't know that I'm going to be watching the Grand Prix because yeah. if I'm up at five o'clock, it means that when we finish with this episode, I did not get all of my packing and cleaning done before I completely and utterly crashed which means I will have to wake up at five o'clock to make sure that I do that. So Brian says, who, who should we want to meet in the Pac-12 championship game? Also, Neil said, who do you want to play in the Pac-12 championship game, Utah or Oregon? As it stands now, uh, Lisa, I think you have the game on a TV over there. Yes. I'm, I'm just looking at the box score. Utah, Oregon. 17-17? 17-17 with 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Uh, Utah was down early. They have come back to tie it up. 
Personally, I want another shot at Utah. I want uh, USC to exercise their demons with Utah and get the chance for the revenge matchup. Um, if you're asking what is the best matchup for USC to prove itself, um, I, think, I think it's Oregon. I think it's Oregon. I think Oregon would be the more difficult game. And I think that if USC really wanted to show that they are or aren't a playoff contender, then that's really the proving ground for me. So especially with the way Bo Nix is playing, um, Oregon has a lot more talent on defense than anybody that USC has played yeah. uh, this year. So, yeah, that would be an interesting matchup. But I give me Utah for a narrative. Yeah. Um, back, back Northwest Steve, uh, how much do you not care that this team has killed off all of our preseason win loss uh, predictions. Alicia, you had SC going ten and two. Ten and so your prediction still alive. Ten and two is still alive. I would be. I. I at this point, like, please don't follow through with my ten and two prediction. Um, that would be a, a, a bit of an anticlimactic situation if USC goes uh, with the Notre Dame next weekend and, and lays an egg. So definitely don't want that. But uh, I think it just goes to show that. If you go back and listen to that preview episode, when I predicted 10 and 2, I felt like I was being extremely optimistic. And here we are, USC is at 10 wins with a game left in the regular season already. Like, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Hector says, How do I pick SC's side when buying tickets to the championship game early? Um, I don't know. Um, I would try however you can to buy tickets through SC. That would sort of guarantee it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know what side it's going to be considering that we don't know if SC will be the number one seed or the number two seed. So I don't know if that's how they distribute the tickets. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I Contact SC's uh, ticket office, I think would be. It would be the way to go. Yeah. Would, would be the way to go for sure. Um Val says, will Alicia root for USC or Notre Dame next weekend? Of course, Alicia, famously a Notre Dame graduate. High school. High school. Same thing. Uh, we get new listeners on and they don't know the joke. And then we get a lot of confusion. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I will be rooting for USC, obviously. And uh, looking forward to that one. Yeah. And uh, last thing before we wrap it up here. Um, first of all, you guys be sure to subscribe to us here on YouTube. We'll be back Monday. To, uh, hopefully Monday night, again, our schedule this week is sort of up in the air. Um, subscribe to us here on YouTube and like the stream. It helps us grow the show and uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, all those places that you can. Um, we got two more questions. They are the same question. Manolo says, where's Jesse? <laughs> Rama Murdy says, where is your dog? Alicia. I, I'm. You're gonna have to fill some time do, while I go find her. Okay. We'll see if she's asleep. It's pretty late for her, but yeah. she should be. She should be up. We'll see. Uh, Alicia will now make the walk over to uh, behind my camera. Uh, she's walking over to see uh, to see the pup. We'll see if the uh, Alien Fifty Five says we were promised Jesse. There's Jesse, girl. There's Jessie, girl. Hi, baby. Will you Here comes Jessie. There she is. Will you let me pick you up? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh, the baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. There's Jessie. Say hi, Jessie. <laughs> this 
is our Jessie puppy. <laughs> she usually doesn't let me pick her up, so this shows you how tired she is. Jessie was sleeping. Callie Cat in the chat. Jessie was sleeping. Uh, <laughs> had just sort of like like laid down and was sleeping, and then the first interception happened, and like she jumped out of her skin because I may have let out a primal scream. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to the if, you're, if you're missing this by listening to us on Apple Podcasts, you're missing the beautiful, Ooh. beautiful, Ooh. <laughs> the, the, the beautiful Jesse joining us. The startled Jesse. And she is now deeply wanting to get down yes. after Alicia lifts her she's up. She's very to, suspicious to... about why she's getting help. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's a border collie. Uh, we, we adopted her from, the, um, from a shelter in Lancaster. And, two years uh, old. Two years old, and the uh, best decision we ever made. Yes, we love her. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. <laughs> okay, Jesse, you've had your moment. Go adopt a shelter pet, everybody. <laughs> yep, she <laughs> she just uh, took off and ran. She's like. Uh, I don't want to hang out with you guys anymore. There you go. <laughs> Tim says, Jesse, do you prefer belly rubs or neck scritches? She loves belly rubs and neck scritches, but I think it's probably first belly rubs, then neck scritches. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for joining <laughs> us. As always, of course, SC wins 48-45. Trojans beating the Bruins. Uh, getting back to the victory pal. Painting it its rightful cardinal. Trojans, of course. Finish the Pac-12 season eight and one, and we'll now go to the Pac-12 championship game uh, in 13 days to play, presumably Utah or Oregon. Oregon currently leads in Eugene 2017, but of course we'll see how that all goes. So, until then, we will be back when we see it later, later this week. Subscribe, or even to subscribe, review us, and uh, we appreciate it as always. Until then, see ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. 